Yes, so um, it's, it's a memorable um, day. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think we should um, remind ourselves when we consider Remembrance Sunday that if it wasn't for all the things that those people did, all the sacrifices, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. <clears throat> I, was brought, I was born in the middle of the Second World War and so um, when I was at school, you know, I used to hear all the reasons why we had to go to war. And, um, and I think of my, I think now of um, members of my family who, who went to war. And um, I mean, there was <clears throat> an uncle who was a squadron leader in Bomber Command, and he got a distinguished flying cross. And I said to him one day, why did you get the DFC? And he said, for staying alive. And um, what he meant was that he was thinking of all his friends, all his cobbers. <clears throat> and uh, I remember I, in my limited military life, <clears throat> I had a couple of colleagues who lost their lives in Vietnam. And um, I think of them almost every week. And, um, you know, it's something that we perhaps overlook sometimes, you know, in our life and we, we see our freedom, which people are now trying to destroy again. Um, <clears throat> and I sort of, in, in my, um, <clears throat> my family had a shipbuilding company, yard, up at Birkenhead, and all through the First and the Second World Wars we were building warships and submarines for um, the Royal Navy. And uh, so... You know, our family made a bit of a contribution, but so it make you know we we sort of mindful, <coughs> you know, of ships sunk, with hundreds of people gone to the early graves, and so on. But anyway, moving on to happy things. Um, last weekend, Susan talked one of one of the one you know more wonderful talks that I've heard in my life. She's, she's probably one of my favourite speakers now, but um, she mentioned some words, which she then said, "I'm not going to talk about those." And uh, and I and they were words that I'd been thinking about at the same, you know, up till then. And um, the words were that they were, we are children to be wondered at, <coughs> and. Uh, and it's a, it's a scripture that, I, that came to me when I was a teenager, that we are to be people, children to be wondered at. And, um, and another way of saying it is we're, we're to be children that are going to display signs and wonders. <clears throat> and um, so we could probably look at the um, scriptures that brought it to mind, uh, just so we know. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, Effie told me she would mark the pages, so the <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Isaiah 8, <coughs> uh, verses, um, verse 18 will do. <coughs> Isaiah is saying, Behold, I am the children whom the Lord has given me for signs and for wonders in Israel, from the Lord of hosts, which dwells in Mount Zion. I'm using the authorised version in case I sound antiquated in my English. And, um, and again, it's mentioned over in uh, Zechariah 4, 
um, verse um, uh, 6. 6 and 7. The angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before you, for they are men wondered at. And then he goes on to talk about his servant, the branch, which which was Jesus that was to come. <coughs> now, um, somewhere in my notes, I add to that, but I can't see it at the moment. <coughs> um, so, what I was wanting to talk about was that um, we are children to be wondered at. I mentioned that prophecy this morning about young people uh, are going to be at the forefront of, of the miracles and wonders that are coming. And um, God is going to make his end time church something that's really exciting. And uh, I hope I'll be still around when it happens. <laughs> and, um, but I don't care if I'm not because I'll know about it anyway. Uh, and so... So, so just looking at Isaiah, uh, that, that chapter in Isaiah chapter 8, that chapter, chapter eight um, the whole chapter, is, um, Isaiah is saying, goodness me, the children, of the, this nation of Israel is going to suffer greatly. But then in the next paragraph, he says, but I'm going to redeem Israel and Israel is going to be a joy to the world. And then on he goes, what a, how much Israel deserves, what they're getting, what they're going to get, and they will really suffer. And then, but we're going to be wonderful people, he says of Israel, and we're going to be ones who demonstrate that God is great. And so, <clears throat> and um, I had, had a Muslim lady come to me and um, <clears throat> say, uh, <clears throat> ask me about the Torah. And I said, well, the Torah is the Torah. And I said, what you need to think about is the new Torah, as it were, the New Testament, which reversed a lot of what was said. But I said, what, what was in the Torah? The Torah, by the way, is, is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, has... <clears throat> has now been superseded in a way, although it provided the foundation. It provided us with a type or an example of what would happen in the new. The Old Testament, in the Torah, they were given a covenant that if people behaved, followed God's rules, they would have success. In Deuteronomy 28, you know, she'll blessed in the, in the city, blessed in the door, blessed in your children and all the rest of it. But if you don't, you, you'll have the opposite of all that. You'll have suffering. And whereas in the New Testament, <clears throat> there was a new covenant. We've just partaken of symbols of the new covenant, haven't we? <clears throat> um, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 got upset, and that's why he wrote 1 Corinthians 11, that people were using the, last, the Lord's Supper as a time 
to, to eat up everybody else's food. And he's saying, you've lost track of what's going on. You're all children of God because of the, the new covenant. And, uh, and so every time you eat or drink, remember me. And I have a, remember Jesus. And I have a suspicion that he expects us probably to do that at every meal. That may be the origin of grace. Remember grace? Yes. Our parents used to make us to thank God for the food. We use it as a time of thanks. But, but, um, so, and so um, this Muslim lady says to me, oh, I don't know. And she says Muslim was the, what's his name? Muhammad was the latest prophet. You know, Jesus might have been a prophet, but so Muhammad came along 600 years later and updated everything. And I said, well, hang on. He actually reversed everything. He went back, gone back to the Torah to make it the foundation. And so you see Islam as a, as a set of rules and so forth. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. And then she comes along the next day and she says to me, <clears throat> what do you think is the difference between hope and faith? And I said, well... <clears throat> hope is hope is an expectation. It's a, a what do we say? When people go into the grave, we you know when we're burying them, we say that they're going in in the, in the true and certain expectation of the resurrection from the dead. And we believe that, <clears throat> but then hope is actually a true and certain expectation. That's the original meaning of it. That's that's used in the in the Bible, in, in the New Testament. Um, and so, where does faith come in? Faith stands side beside it and enables you to have that hope. And um, upon which she went away. And, um, and, I, and I thought to myself, it's so easy for people to come along and sort of talk about these things and want to discuss them, but she had no discussion. And, um, and it... And it once you get into a discussion about it, it turns into a philosophical discussion, doesn't it? And, and then it becomes archaic in, in the old sense of the word. Archaic becomes a uh, theory that you can talk about, <coughs> keep everybody entertained. Now, talking about faith, <coughs> and we'll come back to signs and wonders as we go, you remember the um, feeding of the 5,000? Um, Jesus said to the apostles get some food and they said well where are we going to get that from Jesus said um, that he wanted to feed the multitude so there was a young man there boy standing, standing there who had five loaves and two fishes and he said oh here you are this is the food and so everybody talks about how wonderful it is that Jesus multiplied the five loaves and two fishes and it is wonderful but what is also wonderful is that the young man had the faith to believe that his five loaves and two fishes were going to feed 5,000 men. <clears throat> now, and, and it reminded me, when, when uh, my son Joshua and I, well, I think some of the kids were there as well, we were watching the Olympic Games or something, rather. He was about seven. And uh, we saw this gentleman, this man, athlete, do a pole vault. And it went, went over 13 feet or something, rather. And uh, Joshua turns to me and he said, Oh, Dad, you'd be able to do that. <laughs> and uh, I didn't say anything. 
And, um, but, but it's like the, the man and the boy with the five loaves and two fishes. And, and Jesus said that we need to become as little children. When, and sort of it's a naivety, isn't it? God said something. It's completely contrary to what we've been brought up with. But we believe, you know, we, let's believe it. Let's be like Joshua and, and believe the impossible. <laughs> Because with God all things are possible. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> Jesus said that whoever offends one of these little ones would be better for a millstone to be hung around yeah. their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Faith is very precious to God. Yeah. And um, people use the example of um, um, my old classics professor used to use this example to explain a word in, in uh, the word, meaning of the word faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, Paul says in Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and that's right. But it's also the evidence of things not yet seen. <clears throat> so you have the title to your house. Um, I suppose when you're living in the house, that's fine. But if you've, if you've got a holiday house down in Devon and uh, you're not there, <clears throat> how do you know that you own it? You know that you own it because you have the title deeds, which say got your name on them, and therefore you now have the have the the um, property and um, that, that is actually the, true, the original meaning of the word they, they found a Greek uh, bit of correspondence I think on the Nile where, where somebody was using that term, term and that, that was exactly what it meant <coughs> that, he, that he had the title deeds to something that he couldn't see and, um, but the, the beauty of faith is that it becomes substance and um, so you can go down to your house in Devon and uh, Unlock the door and you now have what you believed for because your title said so. Um, <clears throat> and I was just thinking also yesterday, in fact I'd been talking to Pastor Anne, mentioned it one day, that um, um, and, and um, Angus got me to talk about it as well one on the following Sunday morning when I was didn't know whether I was coming or going. <laughs> but but I, I was glad to talk about it and I, and I talk about it now every day to Effie I'm so excited and so happy about it um, I had this situation went to the doctor he's a Christian doctor but rather uh, crotchety and uh, or what, cross he seems to be always cross about something and um, talked to him about this and he was horrified and he was already, before I could leave the room, he was on his computer typing away something or other. And he said, and he warned me that terror, this had terrible consequences and da 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 da. And um, so within five days, I was in the hosp hospital getting looked at and then surgery 10 days later. And Effie and I said, well, why don't we pray about that? Why do we have to go through the operation? And so we. We prayed and fasted uh, for, uh, for God to heal the, the thing. Now, this thing is something that I've actually had for 40 years. I can remember 40 years ago, literally 40 years ago, going having a team of specialists, private specialists, who examined me, did all sorts of tests and things, and at the end of it all they said, well, we're very sorry, but we've done all the, all the investigations. There's nothing really that we can do about it. So, goodbye. 
and I had to walk off. And I thought, oh, well, I'll live, it, live with it for the rest of my life. And, um, but then, all of a sudden, it became a prob real, real problem. And that's why the poor doctor was getting, going into paroxysms of anxiety about it. Um, so, so we prayed about it. One morning, one morning at six o'clock in the morning, um, this clear words came to me, your healing is in your spirit. And I thought, well, <clears throat> nobody ever told me that before, but it is the truth, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> and as we, and so, you know, the scriptures are there. When, the script, when you say, confess the scriptures, then the reality of the truth becomes real. <laughs> and um, it's, uh, it reminds me of um, <coughs> Romans, um, Romans 10. I can't find it here. But Romans 10, um, he talks, Paul talks about um, how faith works, how healing works. When, when, you, when you are born again, you are born again by hearing the word of God. <coughs> and your spirit believes. Because when you're born again, your spirit and God's spirit become one, don't yeah. they? Amen. And, and um, so, so when, when, when your spirit hears the word of God, there's a leap of recognition, isn't yes. there? Mm -hmm. And the spirit wants to do what he wants to do, mm. what he does. Um, remember, Paul also says that the spirit, of God, the, the, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. That's where it comes from. It's yeah. the same spirit. Yeah. How exciting is that? Yes. Yes. Look at the potential of it. Yeah. And so healing is in your spirit. Now, when you're born again, <coughs> what you do is the, the, the word comes into your spirit and then you confess with your mouth that, the, that Jesus is Lord. And that seals your salvation, as it were. It, it sort of locks it in. Well, the same thing with healing. Why should it be any different anyway? Yes. But, but it is the way the Holy Spirit works. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit says, oh, your healing is in the Spirit. Mm. Okay, bring it out mm. and say it. <coughs> mm. That's what, that's um, in um, Mark, uh, Mark 11, isn't it? Verse 24, 26 there. Um, that what you say is what you'll get. Amen. Jesus said, if you say that this mountain is going to be removed, yes. and then, then you pray, yes. pray, and then afterwards keep saying it. Yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes our healings take a while. Um, but anyway, before I go on to that, um, <clears throat> so in my situation, we, Effie and I came to the conclusion that we, I probably shouldn't have the operation because we didn't need it. And uh, the symptoms and things, uh, you know, the blood everywhere, didn't make it, hadn't changed and so um, uh, so we decided anyway that we would have the op I would have the operation not Effie and, and that we would let the hospital see what happened so I walked to the operating theatre walked back you know when they when they knock you out they really knock you out when, when, when I woke up I thought I'd still arrived and he just arrived but anyway <coughs> and the, the the ladies the nurses said oh would you like to walk back to the ward and I said yes why not so I walked back to the ward 
I never saw the surgeon. He, he came to see me in the morning, but I never saw him in the, after that. And I thought, that's funny. And I said to the nurses, OK, can I go home now? No, no, we, we've got to keep an eye on you overnight and all the rest of it. So anyway, <clears throat> I got out the next day. I think there's a, there's a problem with hospitals in that it's very difficult for you get, to get out once you've got <laughs> in. <laughs> I had that once before. I, I remember I was just there for an examination. The third day, the, third, the, the specialist came, walked past my bed and said, Oh, hello, what are you doing here, Bruce? And I said, I'm trying to get out. <laughs> he said, Oh, he says, Oh. <clears throat> he says, I'll go and tell the nurses. And um, <clears throat> so eventually at about six o'clock, somebody came along and signed me out. But, um, but anyway, <clears throat> so I went home. Effie came to, came to the hospital to collect me. She brought a whole lot of biscuits and chocolate and stuff for the, for the nurses and the, and the patients, none of whom wanted it, <coughs> but the nurses did. <laughs> and um, when, when, so the next morning, you know, everything seemed to be okay. And, um, and so over the space of a week, it became more and more okay. And all, I, all I got from the hospital was a letter saying, we haven't been able to find anything untoward. I suppose that's not an admission of anything, is it? No. And, um, <clears throat> and, now, and now, you know, everything's perfect. It's taken me, taken me 40 years to, get, get for, to ask God to fix what should have been fixed a long ago. And uh, it's my own fault. And um, <coughs> reminds me <coughs> of um, a testimony that I heard on uh, years ago on, I think, Sid Roth, uh, where he, um <coughs> this lady was there, and, she'd, and she was fine. And she <coughs> had, had an accident of some sort years ago, and she <coughs> was left in a wheelchair. <coughs> and um, she was a very um, successful praise and worship leader. And so she, decided, she prayed for to be healed, nothing happened. And so she continued on with the praise and worship leading. And she was a very successful, even from the wheelchair. After 19 years, <coughs> she was doing it one, one day, and somebody came, in, came up from the audience, laid hands on her, and she was healed, instantly out of the wheelchair. <coughs> and I thought, that came back to me after this experience of mine. And, um, and so why, I thought to myself, why does that happen? <clears throat> and um, I mean, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. The Holy Spirit will do what he wants to do in the way that he wants to do it. And it's amazing the variety of, of testimonies that you get of, of people's healings, isn't it? Yeah. Of, of how it all happened yeah. and, uh, and the path that led up to it. <clears throat> so don't be surprised. But, but there, are, there is a basic... There are basic things that you need to know, and those which I've just been saying, that, that if you confess that the healing and you believe and you pray. Now, <clears throat> just on believing, sometimes people believe and they don't know they're believing. You, have you seen that? They don't know they're believing because the, the Spirit of God in them believes. I actually heard uh, Kenneth Hagen many years ago talking on just exactly that subject. He said, some people, they think they don't believe, but they do. 
and they should just confess that the, the thing has happened. And then, um, <coughs> um, so I keep going off the subject. And then, um, so, so now, um, the thing about, um, about this is that when you're preaching the gospel, there are people that have gifts of preaching the gospel. I'm able to say these sort of things because I'm old. And I've, and, I've, and I've seen it all happen, but, but I haven't necessarily been obedient myself. I remember getting told off years ago, I was giving a talk at church, and, and I started talking along those lines, that what I'm saying is what the word of God says. It doesn't mean to say it, I do it, and, although I try to do it, but I don't, so I don't you know, like uh, Paul said, the things that I would like to do, I don't do, and, and things that I do, I shouldn't be doing. And... Um, and he said to me, don't say that in your talks, the pastor said, because we all know that nobody's perfect, so you can just talk about the word, what the word of God says. That's what you do. Um, so, um, so the Apostle Paul in uh, Romans 15 talks away about how he'd had a really busy time preaching the gospel. He'd been preaching from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum. You probably know the scripture. And he said, but I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I think it's about verse 19, Romans 15. Uh, and, he, but he was, but, and he was saying that because he was saying that's how you preach the gospel. You don't preach the gospel as some sort of academic study, <coughs> as some people do. I remember going to a Baptist church recently. There was a baptismal service on it. Effie knows what I'm going to say. She's frowning. But um, he, was, he was talking about some remote scripture in Amos or somewhere or other, and it was a baptismal service. <coughs> he didn't, didn't preach the gospel or describe what baptism is or tell you how to get saved or anything like that. He talked about this strange scripture out of context in um, Amos or I think it was even more remote than that actually and um, uh, but so the gospel is the gospel it's a good news Amen. as I said to this lady this Muslim lady the gospel is actually the good news yes. of Jesus Christ mm. oh yes he was a good prophet and all that sort of thing but she thought that the gospel was the rest of the New Old Testament and I said no that was, in fact, if you read Isaiah, I mean, Jesus, when he stood up in Luke 4 and said, um, this day have these scriptures been fulfilled in your ears, he was reading from Isaiah. And if you want to know the gospel, go to Isaiah. Yes. My favorite book, I think, in the Old Testament. Um, and uh, I keep going off the subject. But um, so he fully... Fully preached the gospel. Um, so, when you fully preach the gospel, there are signs and wonders. They may not be ones that you necessarily see on the day that the preaching takes place, but but it's what goes into people's hearts, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And their minds, you know. And um, one of the secrets of all this is is that you immerse yourself in the scriptures, and then you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. <coughs> when you wake up at six o'clock in the morning. And um, 
because you, you know that it, li it lines up with the word of God. And, and God does speak to people like that. And, and he, only, he speaks to them because, you know, the word of God, you, you don't have the word of God in your mind all the time. And God wants to remind you of things every now and again, doesn't he? And, um, and so, it's, you know, I mean, if anybody here who hasn't stepped into the kingdom of God and been born again, you are missing out on a lot. Um, because we were born to have fellowship with the Father. That's what Adam and Eve came with there for. God said he wanted to have fellowship. And, and he gave them this amazing place, you know, the planet, to, to mag multiply in and to rule. And what's happened is that the rulership of that uh, planet has been handed over by Satan and, and by uh, Adam and Eve right at the beginning. Yeah. Messed the whole thing up yeah. right from the first, from the beginning. And, um, <clears throat> and so Satan became the ruler of this world. And he still is. And when you see all these things happening, just know it's not God's fault. It's no. Satan's fault. Yeah. And... and um, you know, insurance policies that I see from time to time talk about acts of God. And they're talking about disasters. But they're not acts of God at all. No, no. Um, so, um, so talking about that, so let the word of God dominate your life and to believe and to believe that it's actually working in your life. Words from God will change your life. And your words can change the lives of others. Very important that you're immersed in the word of God so that when God speaks you recognise him. It will be consistent with what you've learned from the scriptures. Um, now, <clears throat> and then I had here, as I was writing this down yesterday, the scripture came to me and it, and it was definitely a prophecy about the young people but it just fitted in to say it when, it when I did say it, didn't it? Things are going to be happening through your hands which will amaze you. And I think we all, all are sort of participants in that. Um, just believe that anything can happen. Because God is sovereign and he's going to do things that we didn't expect. But we'll know that they're from God. Because you'll have the echo from your spirit within, within me. Um, so, and... Um, I've had the five-minute warning. <laughs> um, and, 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 and in the prophecy it said, it will amaze you and you will say to yourself, how did this happen? How did that happen? And other people will say to you, how did that happen? And you, can be, you could possibly be the person down in the audience who sees the disabled person up the front and the Holy Spirit saying, go and pray for her. I wouldn't be surprised if all those 19 years of that lady, that other people hadn't been given that word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember um, myself, um, years and years ago, <coughs> um, 35 years ago it would be, because <coughs> it was the day that I first saw Effie. I didn't meet her, but I saw her. And, um, and, and I was just in a little home group. And the chap who was leading the home group who was apparently a visitor, when they got to the end of the meeting, he was saying, would people like, like prayer? 
And I said, um, and, and I didn't say anything because I was a visitor. And, um, but he invited like prayer, and um, a few people did. And he came to me at the end of the meeting, and he said to me, the Lord wants to pray for you, wants me to pray for you. I said, oh, yes, thank you. And he, he didn't even get to touch me before I felt, you know, electricity running from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And I grabbed him, because in those days I didn't believe in falling over. <laughs> and I, poor fellow, he held me up. And, um, and the, the problem was that, that I was prepared. I've told, I was telling the home group about this the other day. I was getting ready to go to Nepal because I love doing mountains and high altitude walking and all that sort of thing. And so um, I was going, going to Nepal. But in my training sessions a few days before, I'd done something to my back. And so every time I was walking up hills and down hills, it was grunching and grunching and grunching, and it was just getting worse and worse. And I was thinking to myself, how on earth am I going to cope with going to Nepal? And, the, um, <clears throat> and so that was not on my mind when this guy prayed for me, or prayed, well, sort of laid hands on me, didn't pray really. And, and prayer is not necessary, because if you've... But what happened was I was getting a gift, in this case, of healing. And um, you can read about those in First Corinthians chapter 12. And gifts, gifts of healing will come when the Holy Spirit says so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, what, nine gifts of the Spirit? Mm-hmm. And, and any of them could be your, for you to, do, to exercise. Yes. But the gifts of the Spirit don't work unless you actually go and do it. Mm. And I say that to myself. And I never do it. But I, st- I do sometimes. <laughs> but uh, often, often but the Lord's given me Effie as my conscience. And, 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 and he... And he, he, will, he will actually tell her, show her that there's something for me to do. And I say, I will do. So I, I, told you, I told you that the Holy Spirit has his ways of working. And um, similarly, the next morning when I woke up, there was no sore back. Back was completely healed. And it's been completely healed ever since. And I've done amazing mountaineering things, you know, awful nerve-wracking things which I wouldn't dare do now um, since. And, um, you know, doing farming, farming for years, you know, very strenuous stuff. All done, gone, no problem, just do it. And so I, I give God the praise. So, so now, <clears throat> talking about signs and wonders, sometime, and I know this for, as a fact, people are in a meeting like this and they get healed, sitting in the chair. And, and um, it's the word of God going into their yes. spirit again. Amen. And um, they don't tell anybody. They don't tell anybody. Well, no, it is for a sign and a wonder. And therefore, you've got to yes. say it, yeah. talk about Amen. it. God, you know, perhaps you're not, if you haven't been healed, it may be because you're not ready to say and confess that it was Jesus that did the thing. Um, and, and that's not meant to be a criticism or anything because God works and God will do, do his work yes. anyway in his time. Um, so, and, and, and as I say, in, in my case, I have to stop. In, in my case, um, in my case, I tell Effie every day that I'm really, I just, you know, every day it's a wonder for me. Yeah. 
that after, after 40 years, this thing has just gone. The doctors don't want to tell me anything. I don't, suppose, I don't know what there is to tell, I suppose. They probably think that I was just imagining it or something, or the, that my scratchy GP was imagining something. But um, <coughs> now, um, Effie, um, I'd love to say more about this, but the Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. Jesus said that whosoever wants to come to him, he will in no wise cast out. He wants to respond to your every need and desire. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians that today is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. And nothing could be more now than now. And so if anybody wants to, you know, to get involved, get born again, change your life. Be born again, have eternal certainty of eternal life. Now, now is the time to do it. This is a time of God's favour. His grace is flowing. We've been seeing that all through the meeting. It's now time of salvation. Time for healing. God's love and his grace are endless. His forgiveness unlimited. Now is a time of salvation and healing. Your now is now. Your now is today. The Holy Spirit is here and he says, come. I leave it to you, Art.